Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity to come together in this place of worship, your children together here, exploring the depths of the mysteries of Christ and the church. Help us to grow in our discipleship, to know you better, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, to walk in victory in this life as well as the next, to be helped, healed, empowered, loved, and prospered by you, and to help others to know you and receive the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> well, it's Christmas, <laughs> Christmas says Easter, Resurrection Day approaches. I, I generally like to take several weeks and spend a little time just uh, walking with the Lord and helping people to know Him better and understand and experience His life, especially toward the end of His earthly life with Him. But today we'll just, uh, we've been talking about our witness for Christ and for the church and Anyone know what apostasy is? Apostasy? Bad. Yeah, it is bad. It's uh, it's the the, the the dictionary describes it as the formal disaffiliation from or abandonment or renunciation of a religion by a person. And the Bible tells us that. We're going to experience great apostasy and a falling away from the church in the latter days. And we've seen that. Uh, we've seen sort of a Christian light uh, uh, introduced uh, by the enemy, I would say, into our culture. <clears throat> this sort of Oprah mentality where you call yourself a Christian, but then you try to teach people that everybody's going to go just to the light and everybody's okay and Christianity is just one of the many ways to God, which is all a lie from the devil. There is a real hell. There's a real heaven. The only way to get to the Father in heaven is through the Son, Jesus Christ. And uh, anything that doesn't point to Christ as the way, the truth, and the life is a lie. And it is basically the spirit of antichrist that you're dealing with. Anything that doesn't require Christ is the spirit of antichrist. No matter what they call it or what they say or how much they say they like Jesus, if he's not God to them and his blood shed for them, didn't qualify them for heaven, and only that, then it's not God. I say all that because we want to continue exploring what our witness looks like for Christ and what 
a real relationship with the Lord looks like. God is sending workers into the harvest, which is ripe and plentiful, but the workers are few. So we continue to pray, and we've asked God to do that at Heavenly. We asked Him for, to do that for our own family members and those we love that we can't maybe reach, but as we continue to pray and believe that God will send others across their path who who they do have a, an ear for, you know, that will be able to have an influence on them. I pray that continually for everyone I know because I know that I'm not the one that's going to reach everybody that I know. I'll reach some people halfway across the world. Hello to all those that are listening around the world. And we're thankful for those. But there are Christians right there in their midst that they can never hear. It's just strange that way. And there are people that God has for you to talk to and to be a light. I want to look and uh, just a couple of Bible stories today as we look into the life of Jesus in these days leading up to our very early Easter this year. <laughs> yeah, never seen it so early, actually, but that's fine. Turn to Mark chapter 5. We're just going to be in the gospel of Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So the second gospel of the New Testament. The Testament. Hmm? So Mark, the gospel of Mark, chapter 5. And we're going to, I'm just going to read a little bit. They came to the other side of the sea. This is Jesus and the disciples. To the country of the Gerasenes, or the Gadarenes, depending on which translation you have. Mark chapter 5, verse 2. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He had a demon. Lots of them, as it turns out. He lived among the tombs, and no one, listen to this, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. This was the demon talking to Jesus and not the man. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. So this is the Legion, the spokesman for this gang of demons that had taken over this man. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission. 
and the unclean spirits came out of the out of the man and entered the pigs and the herd numbering about 2000 and they rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea the herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country and people came to see what it was that it happened and they came to Jesus and saw the demon possessed man the one who had had the legion sitting there clothed and in his right mind and they were afraid and those who had seen it described to them what they had seen what had happened to the demon possessed man and to the pigs and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. I love that story. There are a lot of messages in that story. I've preached a lot of messages from that story. But today I just want to look at a particular aspect of this story. You see in the fourth verse. I think it's the fourth verse. Mark. I already lost my spot. Mark chapter 5, verse 4. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but they couldn't do it anymore. So, I want to make a point here that religion is always binding. Religion is always binding when Jesus really wants to loose. Are y'all with me there? People tried to bind this man. And we as a culture usually want to limit anyone... Or anything that we perceive to threaten us or frighten us. It's just the way people are. Our thoughts are only of how to protect ourselves and our families. We justify our actions by saying that our interests must come first. But Jesus is totally different. He loved this man that everyone else hated and feared. He didn't bind him. He loosed him. He set him free. This is one of the distinguishing characteristics or differences in true Christianity and religion. The word for religion in the New Testament means to dock. It paints a picture of a a ship being bound with ropes to a dock. You see? 
And that's how religion is. It binds. Chains up. Ties down. When Jesus just really wants to set free. Today, religion has a lot of people bound up. It stems from a performance-based doctrine that says do good, get good, do bad, get beat. Watch out, God's going to get you. This, this type of teaching binds people. It restricts people. It ties them down with rules and regulations instead of building a loving relationship with a kind and loving God and Savior who is for us and not against us. They're presented with a negative image of God who is a, an angry God. And he, he wants to bind them, tie them down and restrict them and give them a set of rules and regulations to live by or else, you see. And that keeps people locked up under this wrong doctrine of religion that has bound them. It keeps them locked up from life, restricts them and their actions and their attitudes so that they're tormented, really, in their minds and their hearts by a God who they think is against them and they run from Him. And they run from people who represent Him. But if they really only knew how much He loves them and that He is for them and that He doesn't want to bind them and restrict them and tie them down, He wants to set them free, then they would run to Him and bow at His feet just like this man did. You know, with me? Do you see that? Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to prepare for the success that you have for us. That's a good prayer. You know God is looking for signs of faith. Without faith it's impossible to please God. And see a religious person. Will take that. And they'll say see there. If you're not in faith. He's going to be mad at you. I had someone. That I thought was very astute in the things of God and they taught openly that Psalm 23 that says the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want was a, was a command see there that's a command if you want for anything you're in sin you're in sin jaw dropping stuff I was just dumbfounded by that the truth is Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You know what pleases God? For us to be free. To walk in the freedom that Jesus has provided. Freedom to live a life 
of abundance. The abundant life that he called us to in John 10. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly or to the full. This is a victorious life, free from the bondage and the chains of not just commands and restrictions and rules, but free from the bondage to sin and all forms of death and to sickness and to poverty and to strife and all the things that the enemy has introduced into this world. So it makes God happy when we respond to his promises and provision for our lives by faith so that that faith can reach out and take hold of the things that he's put on account for us. Mark, turn over a couple of chapters. Look at Mark chapter 10 for a moment with me. Mark chapter 10, go to about the 46th verse. I love this passage of scripture too, so I'm just going to share a couple of my favorites today. Jesus was in the healing business, you know. After he had gone home sat down at the right hand of the Father. I always love the passage of Scripture in Acts where Peter says, don't you know, haven't you heard about Jesus of Nazareth who was anointed with power and with the Holy Ghost and went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil? Well, here he is at work healing a blind man. Verse 46 of Mark chapter 10. And they, again, Jesus and his disciples, came to Jericho. And as he he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus! Son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped. How would you like to stop Jesus in his tracks? And say, call him. Call him on over here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he's calling you. Here's a scripture I want you to be mindful of. Verse 50. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Some say setting aside his garment or throwing off his garment. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. His faith had made him well. 
interesting thing about all the miracles of Jesus. There's always an act of faith there somewhere. Study them. It makes it, It's really fun to do that and to try to discern where's the faith. There's always faith. It has to be. If you're looking for a formula with God, there it is. It's really a relationship, but I'm just saying, if you're looking for a constant, a how-to, learn to live a life of faith. And all it is is just developing this personal relationship that I'm talking about because the more we get to know Him, the more we'll get to love Him. He's irresistible. And the more we love Him, the more we'll trust Him because He's faithful. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He did it for one, He'll do it for you because He's no respecter of persons. That doesn't mean He just doesn't think much of anyone. It means He loves us all an enormous amount. Matter of fact, I'll tell you just how much He loves you as soon as I get finished measuring how far it is from the east to the west. But it's a lot. In this story about blind Bartimaeus, again, I just want to hone in, since we're talking about something specifically today, about religion, about our witness for Christ, and about how the world kind of perceives things incorrectly. Let's just look at Bartimaeus for a moment. How he had prepared for success. In that day, beggars had garments or clothing that distinguished them as beggars. It set them apart so people were aware that's that was their lot in life. So in verse 50, when Bartimaeus set aside his cloak, he took off that garment. And threw it away. It was significant. It was a big deal to him. He wasn't planning on going back to begging. That day, he had gone from beggar to believer. He was believing God for a miracle And he acted accordingly. Ding, 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 ding. That's always the case. When there's success. It's not like God is standing up there deciding. Who to bless. Who to grant their prayer for. He don't have a naughty and nice list like Santa Claus. He, when you accepted Jesus Christ, His Son as your Lord and Savior, He took Adam's sin nature, the sin nature of Satan, 
that corrupted nature from Adam, that seed corrupted that you had received, as we all did, he took that away, set it aside, and placed in you a new spirit, incorruptible. So when he sees you, he either sees Adam or he sees Jesus. So when you accepted Jesus, he called you blessed. Now all the promises in Christ are yes and amen for you. So he doesn't have to decide whether to grant your wish. He's not a genie in a bottle. He's already given you everything. The entire kingdom of God. When you got adopted by God, it came with the same rights and privileges as the natural born child himself, Jesus. So now God has set into place spiritual and natural laws for how the kingdom operates. He's already said yes to all of the promises, everything that lines up with the word of God. If he says that you're blessed, if he says that by Jesus stripes you were healed, then you're healed. If he said that it's his wish that you be in good health and prosper, even as your soul prospers, then you are prosperous and healthy in his eyes because you are a spirit with a soul riding around in a body. Now, if you come into agreement with what you are and what he says about you in the spiritual realm, get your soul, your mind and will and emotions in agreement with the spiritual truth, then that will come out into the natural body that you're riding around in and, and you'll be able to utilize all the benefits of the kingdom of God and the good here and now. Instead of this, just the sweet by and by. Amen? So he wore, as a beggar, the clothes that were appropriate for his place in society. Beggars weren't like everyone else. They were tolerated, they were pitied, but they weren't honored or esteemed in any way. And I'm sure Bartimaeus hated that. I'm sure he hated being a beggar. I'm sure he hated being blind. I'm sure he hated the fact that that was his lot in life. And when, when he heard about Jesus and that Jesus was healing people, he made up his mind. He wasn't going to be excluded from these, the social activities of life anymore. Excluded from the interaction with people that blindness had imposed on him. Make no mistake, people looked down on him. Because back then, people thought blindness was from sin. They thought all infirmity was from sin. Thank God Jesus addressed that one day to his disciples when they asked him, Who sinned? Talking about a, a, a man that was blind from birth. Remember that, blind from birth. And they asked him straight out, who, who sinned that he's, that he's blind, his parents or him? You know how foolish that is because, I mean, when did he sin? In the womb? He was blind from birth. 
Yet they asked him, who sinned, his parents or him, that made him blind? You know what Jesus said? Neither. Neither. We live in a fallen world. Bad things happen to good people. The devil is very active. And ignoring that fact just makes him that much more active in your life. <laughs> but you resist the devil and he will flee from you. There's a promise from God, not me. So Bartimaeus had thought about this. Jesus was coming. He's healing the blind. He made up his mind. If he got the chance, he was going all in to get this healing that he needed. He was not ever going to look back. He was never going back to begging. So he wasn't going to need these clothes anymore. No more beggar's cloak for me. Throw it away, forget about it, and rush through the crowd. It's just significant. Do you understand why? Do you understand why that would have anything to do with anything or be relevant today? How sure are we that God will answer our prayers? Do we, in a sense, still have our old beggar cloak in the closet? Just in case he doesn't come through? Have we literally given up and went the way of the world? I would say that it's a big part of the problem with people receiving from God. Because without faith, we're not going to receive the things of God. Don't get me wrong. Miracles are great. God does work in mysterious ways. And He is a loving God. And I believe He's always trying. And wanting to help us. But if God is sovereign to the extent that no matter what happens. That's God's will. Then there is no free will. So the. The point is, we have a very important part to play. It's a relationship. It's a two-way street, just like any relationship. And He set provision in place for our prosperity, for our health, for our relationships, for everything. And as we learn to agree with God and to stand trusting God in faith, we're going to experience a lot more of the provision and promises of God. So without faith, what I'm saying is the provision of grace provided through the atonement of Jesus on the cross goes largely uncollected by those of us who have it all on account. Never write the check. I tell people all the time, people that I don't seem to do as many weddings as I used to. It seems like the last few that have come up, they ended up going elsewhere and they end up with some spiritual guide or somebody to do the wedding. And I think I told you about the last one that 
the girl made the boy take her name. I didn't do that wedding. But the point is, there's this great apostasy. A moving away from God and the truth. I tell people all the time, though, if you're married, what's the problem with that people seem to always have problems with their marriages and then I say well with God there's a hundred percent success rate and they say how do you say that because in the church the facts show that there's a 50 percent divorce rate just like there is in the world I said I don't care about church goers I'm talking about disciples I'm talking about people who are in a real relationship with Jesus Christ and have given it all to him There's a 100% success rate. So why do you still have two checkbooks? Two checking accounts, I mean. What's with the locked drawers and the... This one holds on to her name and doesn't take his... What's the deal? You know? Separate stuff. Why the plan B? Is the point. As long as we have a plan B. We're never going to be completely vested. In plan A. I promise you that. That's the whole idea of having a plan B. When you take that option off the table. You'll find yourself a lot more. Into plan A. I don't know if anyone's hearing me. But you have to plan for success by acting on your faith. Putting your faith in the promises of God and never looking back. Amen. In our lives... We're going to constantly run across people who are bound by false religion or have a dark and bitter view of Christianity because of some religious person or group that they've experienced or by the impression given by Hollywood or the media who are both in my opinion, in large part, in league with the devil to spread this negative propaganda. But when you meet these people, follow the example of Jesus Christ. Loose them from their shackles and chains With the love of God. Let them know how much he loves them. How awesome he is. And how much he is for them. And has a great plan for their lives. He's not here to bind them. Or hold them back from a successful life. He just wants them to to learn what true success is. And to do that, they have to find out what the truth is. They're not going to learn it in the world. But I challenge you to help people to know the real Jesus. Otherwise, 
they'll be doomed to a life in bondage and they'll live their lives among the dead in the tombs just like the man of the Gadarenes before Jesus met him. I think we'll stop there today. I had another one. Maybe we'll start there next week. Lord, we thank you that we are free in you. We thank you that we know what freedom truly is because of you. Freedom from the oppression of sin and sickness and addiction and wrong-mindedness. Thank you for teaching us your ways and your will and that you are good and that you do love us and that you were never intending to harm us or to do harm. You only have good things in your heart regarding us and you want us to know you better and to come closer to you so that you can show us wonderful things that we didn't know. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to be a light, a beacon of your light to a sick and dying world as they need us ever more, ever so much more, Lord. So because of the, I think the busyness, Lord, of this world, the busyness and corruption, the fast pace, all the things that are competing for our young people's attention and their hearts and minds that are not of you. Help us, Lord, to slow down a little bit and to spend time to help especially these young people to know you better and to realize that this world is not a good depiction of your truth and your love. Thank you for your word. Help us to nurture it, that it take root and bear fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.